The basis for our sermon message today comes from Hebrews chapter 2, verses 9 to 13. We read, But we do see Jesus, who was made lower than the angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honor, because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. He says, I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters. In the assembly, I will sing your praises. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, he says, here am I and the children God has given me. This is the word of our Lord. Army of one. Maybe you remember that slogan, for the U.S. Army back in the early 2000s. It was the shortest-lived recruiting slogan in U.S. military history. It was meant to stress the, the strength of the individual, right? That one U.S. soldier supposedly could be an army all on their own. The Army dropped this slogan after just a few years because they realized this slogan is contrary to the reality that in the army, you have to rely on your team of fellow soldiers. In a, in a stressful combat situation, a, a single soldier could be overwhelmed. A soldier needs others for backup, for support, for medical attention when they go down. World War II Major Richard Winters, the leader of Easy Company, immortalized in the show Band of Brothers, once got asked a question by his grandson. He said, Grandpa, were you a hero in the war? Major Winters replied, no, but I served in a company of heroes. One soldier doesn't make an army. One soldier can't turn the tide of a battle or a war, but a company of soldiers certainly could. It's probably for the best the army dropped this slogan, Army of One. But sometimes I wonder if we've picked it up. If we've made this Army of One slogan our own personal slogan. Maybe without even realizing that we do it. In this modern context that we live in now, you know, it would be really easy if you wanted to, to live in total isolation. I mean, you could go to work in the morning and as you pull out of the garage, hit your remote to close the garage door, you never have to see anyone. You go to work, you come back home, right back into that little cocoon, the same way you left it. I think maybe in general, people aren't getting to know their neighbors as well as they used to, uh, right? Our cell phones, they, they eat away at our personal interactions with other people, at restaurants, waiting in lines, sitting in, in airplanes. Just, just look around sometime. You'll just see all the focus right here, so much. This mindset that many of us Americans probably have to be 
rugged, self-sufficient individualists, I think also might be playing a part in the drop-off in church attendance all around our country everywhere. Because why be part of a, a family of believers when I can, I can practice my faith as an individual anyway? Our rugged individualism, our social disconnect, and our army of one mindset, they're really not good for us. God designed us so we shouldn't have to go it alone. He designed us as social creatures who, who don't want to go it alone. That's who God has hardwired us to be. And today in Hebrews chapter 2, God wants you to know you're not alone. You're never alone. You are part of a family. In fact, Jesus is your brother. Just let that sink in for a bit. Jesus, the Son of God, is your brother. Both the one who makes people holy, Jesus, and those who are made holy, us, are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. Jesus announces himself as your brother, and he doesn't just say it, he proves it. Jesus proves he's our brother because he became one of us. Jesus proves he's our brother because he died for us. Jesus proves he's our brother because he is not ashamed of us. You don't have to go it alone. Jesus is your brother. He goes along with you. And God knew that we wouldn't be able to go it alone when it comes to our salvation either. And so God himself took on human flesh and blood to be one of us, to stand at our side as our brother. And in case you needed a reminder of, of how mind-boggling it is that God would do this for us, just listen to some of the descriptions of Jesus in Hebrews chapter 1, just before our verses here. He's all talking about Jesus. He is the heir of all things, the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. He's the one sustaining all things by his powerful word, the one whom the angels worship, the one whose throne will last forever, the one who laid the foundations of the earth. This one. He is your brother. Wow. Jesus helped us who couldn't go it alone in gaining our salvation. Jesus came to our aid, became one of us. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14 says the same thing. Since the children have flesh and blood, Jesus too shared in their humanity. Hebrews 2.17, for this reason he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. In other words, Jesus became our substitute, the one to stand in our place. And maybe you can think of it this way, 
Jesus is our salvation stunt double. Actor Kevin Bacon once recounted in his own words the time that his six-year-old son first saw his movie Footloose. This is, this is what happened. His son came up to him, hey dad, you know that thing in the movie where you swing from the rafters of that building? That's really cool. How did you do that? I said, well, I, I didn't do that part, son. It was a stuntman. What's a stuntman, he asked. Well, that's someone who dresses like me and does things I can't do. Oh, he replied. A little later, he said, hey, dad, you know that thing in the movie where you spin around on that gym bar and land on your feet? How did you do that? I said, well, I, I didn't do that either. It was a gymnastics double. What's a gymnastics double, he asked. Well, that's a guy who dresses in my clothes and does things I can't do. There was a silence from my son, and then he asked in a concerned voice, Dad, what did you do? I got all the glory, I sheepishly replied. Jesus became one of us, came as our substitute. He did everything necessary for our salvation. And then he gave you and me all the glory, all the credit for it even though we didn't do anything, our salvation stunt double. And your brother, Jesus, clearly he's a good brother, but he's also a brother who's willing to die for you, who did die for you. That's, that's the best brother, the best brother you could ever ask for. And while, while God doesn't want you and me to try and be an army of one all by ourselves, that's exactly who Jesus is. Jesus took down sin, death, and the devil as an army of one without us lifting a finger to help him. And that's what we just got done singing about, isn't it? We just got done singing, I am saved in Christ alone. God the Father made Jesus the pioneer of our salvation. In other words, Jesus is the, the trailblazer of our salvation, the one who forges ahead and goes to win salvation for us. Jesus set his eyes on the cross. He went it alone for us, his brothers and sisters. So we don't have to go it alone. We don't have to try and claim salvation for ourselves. We have our salvation stunt double who did it for us. Jesus tasted death for everyone. And you think of when you were younger and maybe you, you had a sibling once who refused to drink their glass of milk at dinner and maybe mom would say, well, that sibling can't go out and play until they chug down that glass of milk. But the longer your sibling waited, that glass of milk would get kind of warm, kind of sour. How many of us would, would volunteer to, to chug down that warm, nasty glass of milk for our sibling. I don't know about you, I don't, I don't think I would. But Jesus, our brother, he drank death down to the dregs for us. So we don't have to. And considering all the, all the things our brother Jesus has done for us, maybe it seems like he would end up being annoyed with us for how helpless we are. 
if anything, Jesus should be ashamed of us. I mean, we do some things that embarrass God the Father's good name. We kind of act like the black sheep of the family, the, the one child no one wants to talk about that's always getting in trouble. Maybe you've, you've seen the Chris Farley comedy movie aptly named Black Sheep. Uh, in that movie, Chris Farley has a character who, who has a brother, and he's a politician running for office. And, of course, Chris Farley's character is the black sheep, the, the fool, the embarrassment to the family. His politician brother tries to, to hide him away so that he doesn't bring shame and embarrassment on his political campaign. You can guess what happens, of course. Chris Farley's character, again and again throughout the movie, brings shame and embarrassment to his brother again and again by all the idiotic things he does. And the movie's supposed to be funny. But it's not really so funny that we can sometimes be just like Chris Farley's character when it comes to being part of the family of God. We constantly disobey our Father's will that He's given us in His Word. God should view us as the black sheep of the family. We, we drag our brother Jesus' name through the mud when we foolishly associate ourselves with sin when people know we're Christians, but then hear us talking or drinking like a sailor, maybe not reflecting our Father's name so well. When people know we're Christians, but then see us tearing each other down all the time, maybe they'll think less of our brother Jesus, too. God should, by all rights, throw us out of the family. Jesus should be ashamed of us to call us a brother or sister. But Jesus is your brother. A good brother. Jesus is not ashamed to call you his brother, his sister. Jesus loves you. He loves you through thick and thin like a good brother does. He's not ashamed of you. It's the exact opposite. Jesus is proud to call you his brother or sister. Look at verses 12 and 13 in Hebrews here. These verses, they're all about how Jesus identifies himself with us as family. In these verses, again, you see him calling us his brothers and sisters, and he sings our praises as if we like won a gold medal in the Olympics or something. And he, he says we are the children God has given him. He calls us family. Jesus, the one who's holy, who's blameless in God the Father's sight, gives you that same status to be holy and blameless in God the Father's sight too. And so Jesus points to you and he says, that's my brother. That's my sister. I'm proud of, of what they are because they found themselves in me. I have tasted death for my brother. I have won forgiveness for my sister. I love them. I'll do anything for them. I even laid down my life for them. See, you don't have to go it alone. Jesus is your brother. Jesus is that, that army of one who goes it alone to win salvation for us. And, and he also wants to make sure that you have an army, a family of brothers and sisters surrounding you, even right here who can support you and back you up and, 
and help you when you're down. If you read the Bible and try to count all the times God refers to believers as brothers and sisters, you're going to hit the triple digits in no time. Clearly, God wants us to view each other as family. He wants us to to see each other as brothers and sisters. He has knit us together into this spiritual family through the work of our brother, Jesus. We've got to look at that verse again, right? Both those who, both the one who makes people holy, Jesus, and those who are made holy, us, are of the same family. So, so take a look around you at the people gathered here. They're your family. And there's a lot of benefits being part of the family of believers. Being part of this family means that you are never really alone. It means you get to share joys and challenges with one another. It means being part of a family that all your joys will be doubled. All your sorrows can be cut in half. And celebrating is way better when you have others to share that joy with. When you have a time of grief or mourning, it's a little less painful. You've got a shoulder to cry on, someone to talk with. It's a great benefit of being part of a family. And there's more. God has given every member of his family different gifts. The Holy Spirit has, has poured out gifts and resources on us that we can share amongst one another. He's given us many different gifts, so you can go and find that one family member who maybe has the gift of encouragement when you're just not finding joy in life. You can go find that brother or sister who has the gift of prayer who always seems to have the right words to say when you can't come up with them. You can find the brother or sister in the family that has the gift of being able to teach that can help you wrap your mind around some of the difficult parts of God's word. Utilize that family of believers. They're there for you. So you don't have to go it alone. You never have to be alone. God's given you a family. And even when we we have conflicts within this family, as happens in just about any earthly family at times, even then, we can handle conflict in the way a good family does. When we're too selfish to think about how our actions or words impact others, when we're too busy serving ourselves, and to look at how we might serve someone else, we can go to our brothers and sisters and ask them for forgiveness. We're part of a family that forgives and lifts each other up, gives second chances, because that's what our brother Jesus has done for us. And I hope all of this has, has helped you to see the benefits of being here at worship, the benefits of being part of a church home, In this home, you can guarantee that you're going to find your brother here. Week in and week out, we are going to be talking about him. That's a a double your money back guarantee. In this home, you have a family of believers who can be there to bolster your confidence when you're beat down by the world, who can encourage you in your faith when the devil comes knocking on your heart, a family that can share the joys with you in the good times and to mourn with you in the bad times. And of course, people might ask the question, well, can't I be a Christian without going to church, without being part of a church? Yes, certainly, of course you could. But when we consider 
who is here when we gather together. Our brother Jesus, our brothers and sisters in Christ, maybe we answer the question this way. Who would want to go it alone? So many benefits being part of a family. Something no podcast sermon or personal devotional reading can, can compare with being part of a family. And the good news is, you don't have to go it alone. God's given you a family. And while we weren't designed to go it alone, God has hardwired us to crave community. And the good news is you don't have to go it alone. So no matter what your earthly home life is like, good or bad, I want you to know you have a second home right here with your family of believers. And today, Living Hope, this little family unit among the the larger family of all God's children, celebrates a one-year anniversary. It's really been a pleasure to call this place home with you for the past year. I pray it's been the same for you. Whether you've been a a part of living the Living Hope family the, the whole past year or just the past few Sundays, whether you've been going to church your whole life or just recently started going again, no matter what the case is, welcome home. I'm glad you're here because the perks of being part of this family are unbeatable. Forgiveness, heaven, and a brother named Jesus. Amen.